0: I remember the day well. Maybe you've had one similar to this. It was seventh grade, a week before the spring dance in my junior high. And I had my eye, quite honestly, on somebody that I wanted to ask to the dance. Now, for those who know me uh, in person and all that, this was years before I even met Rachel. I hadn't met her until uh, after college. And so this is all sort of pre that era. But there was many things that I was in seventh grade. Derek Hoff or Neo or Lev Goodman, I was not. Katie, on the other hand, was. And so, my brother and I uh, were down in the basement uh, crafting this letter to give to her after eighth period reading, to ask her to the dance. Um, Because brave enough to ask Katie to the dance in person topped the list of things that I was not back at that time. And the day finally came And I folded up my letter in as small a a fold as I could do as, for some reason, everybody in junior high did back then. Folding it as, as tight as they could. And I waited outside class for her to exit. And I saw her come out. And I gave her the note. And I did something I could never again replicate. I turned. And I broke the land speed record. Sprinting away to my locker. To this day... And I've run many a race. I have never sprinted so fast in my life. And the, the next day came and I'm praying, please say yes, please say yes. And the next day I'm praying, please say anything, please say anything. Not even, not a prayer kid would have been, would have at least acknowledged my existence. I would have taken that. You ever feel that kind of rejection? Maybe you're picking teams uh, maybe you're in a, the arena of picking teams at school, one of the places where this can get absolutely brutal, and your hope or your prayer is going from anything but last to, you know what, I'll take last. At least last gets picked. Maybe you get passed up for a job or you hear it's over from a loved one. You know, when I was in um, coming out of college and I was working on publishing my first book, uh... As I was talking to other writers, they'd say, always embrace the idea of getting a rejection letter. Because as depressing as a rejection letter may feel, it means that a million-dollar company spent at least 90 seconds and, back then, 32 cents to tell you no. And that was something. That was something. Talk about celebrating the small things, but, hey, what can I say? And the idea is a familiar thread that runs all through Luke's Gospel. He is one who shines the spotlights, shines a spotlight on the world's outcasts, those who wouldn't even qualify to get a rejection letter, those who wouldn't even get a response of not a prayer. If you get what this rejection feels like, you might have a special connection with today's story. And if um, if it's a familiar story, if you've grown up in the church, it very well might be, but you may never have thought about it in this way. But I want to show you the real life-changing power of Jesus' love. The emotion, if you will, that we can experience in this story as Jesus faces this interaction amongst the crowd. Check it out. This is out of Luke 19. Uh, Ultimately, it's verses 1 through 10, but uh, I'm going to break it up. So this is going to be verses 1 through 4. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. Now I know, I'm kind of building up this theme of showing love to the rejected, but if anybody... In society back then, deserved rejection. It was Mr. Zacchaeus. I'm put. Let's put Zacchaeus's role in the community into perspective. Okay, imagine if the state representatives come from the state capital here in New York or really any state, and they come after worship and they grab your hard-earned offering, um, and they're they're all the the. Worship giving that that's done and and they come and grab that they say thank you for your donation The governor's pool needs expansion. We and we will post some pics for your enjoyment next week on Facebook. Enjoy I'm guessing some of you would have a little something to say about that I can just imagine some of those who would comment with some oh, no, they didn't and Jericho where this is all going down was kind of like the Beverly Hills of the Middle East lot of trade, a lot of beautiful palm trees. It's a it's a, a booming area. And Zacchaeus would have been living the, the Beverly Hills lifestyle on the backs of his own people. So he was a Jew that was collecting tax money for the oppressive Roman government. If that's not bad enough, that he's kind of collecting money for the bad guys, he's padding his own paycheck by cheating his own people. He's... Zacchaeus is single-handedly giving his own people, a Jew giving other Jews, the one-two punch, rubbing their faces in it. Let me repeat that statement because it's a statement that bears repeating. If anybody deserved rejection in Jericho, it was Zacchaeus. The story goes on, next three verses. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Wow. Now let me work backwards for a second here. Starting off with the crowds. The ones who are seeing this whole interaction go on. Verse 7. All who saw it began to grumble and say, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Of course, said like their garbage don't stink, as though they don't know anything at all about sinning, about getting it wrong, because, I mean, they always get it right. Well, here's a question, and maybe this is where you start to see uh, the story in a, a little bit of a different light, or I hope so. You ever hear the phrase, self-fulfilling prophecy? Maybe not in, necessarily in that phrase, but I'm guessing you know the concept, especially if you're a parent. Think about this way. If you were to tell a child they are stupid enough, or enough times, what happens? Eventually, you don't even have to be a parent or a teacher to follow the logic on this. Eventually, a child starts believing it. Starts believing they're stupid. And even more extreme, they start living into it. Before you know it, they have a report card that is now reflecting this new reality of being stupid. Being stupid. And the prophecy basically fulfills itself. Henry Ford once said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. It's the idea of self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. If you you tell somebody, a child or an adult, that they're scum, that they're a reject, that they're a scoundrel, what happens? You hear that enough times, they're probably going to start to live into that. And perhaps Zacchaeus enjoyed the Beverly Hills lifestyle. You know, Nothing indicates that he didn't. But looking at people's reaction to Jesus, they're, they're basically scoffing at him and, and grumbling. He's gone off to be the, one, the guest of one who's a sinner. Why? Probably underneath it. Why isn't he coming to hang out with me? I do all this stuff and do all this good stuff. And, and people thought they were above the title of sinner. And in, as you can really see, Nothing is going to snap Zacchaeus out of this rut until the one who could choose anyone chooses him. Until the one who, chooses, who could choose anybody in that crowd, and he chooses Zacchaeus. Verse 5, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, calls him by name, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So where does all this lead as the conversation is going on? Cool, Jesus, how, how does six o'clock work for you? Uh, let me check if the guest suites available tonight. Nope, not how it goes. Rather, Zacchaeus, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. See, so Zacchaeus, this guy who is um, taking money, uh, you know, oppressing his own people to take money for the oppressive government. Zacchaeus took the harshest penalty of the law and he applied it to himself to pay back four times as much. So it begs the question, what would make him do that? What would make a rich man... Give it all up. What would make him give up the Beverly Hills lifestyle to follow a man who doesn't even have a bed of his own? See, he had a new life. Zacchaeus had a new life because he had a new Lord. No longer was he worshiping the mighty Mullah. No longer was he about sticking it to the ones who scoffed at him. Said, you know, I don't need you because I got money. No longer was he about the holy trinity of me, myself, and I. He was loved into life change rather than judged into it. Jesus snapped the cycle because Zacchaeus was loved into life change rather than judged into it. Jesus got that one right big time. And as a result of Jesus' work, we see verses 9 and 10, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. So curiosity, curiosity kind of got me asking this question. Here, what, here's what Jesus says about Zacchaeus in verses 9 and 10. I wonder though, what did Jesus say to Zacchaeus? The fact is, we don't know how that dinner conversation went. And maybe that's the point. Or maybe that's something we're not necessarily supposed to know. Now, I'm guessing Jesus doesn't have a three-step curriculum for life change that he just sort of rattles off like a life coach to Zacchaeus. But what do we know? When he was rejected by everybody, shunned and scoffed to the outcasts of society, Jesus loved this man into a changed life. When he was shunned around every corner, Jesus shifted this man from a miser to a missionary. And when he sought satisfaction in the mounds of money, Jesus showed this man something far more valuable, which no thief could steal, no moth could destroy. He showed him a relationship with the one who would never turn him away, who, given the choice to pick anybody on that day, chose to pick him. And his life would never be the same again. So this week, I want to make. I want you to make that your prayer, to each day, when your feet hit the floor coming out of that bed. Say, remind yourself, make it even a, a what they call a breath prayer, where it's just something that you repeat to yourself and remind yourself about. Jesus handpicked me. If Je- if you have trusted Jesus with your life, it's evidence of the truth of that statement. Jesus handpicked me. Because in Him we can find the acceptance that we desire as human beings. We can find the fulfillment in ways that Zacchaeus' money and Beverly Hills lifestyle couldn't do. And we can live into the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your love, for coming to to meet us wherever it is that we are and transforming our lives, giving us a purpose, a calling, a fulfillment that is greater than anything we could come up with on our own. It's such a sign of your love that you would, would entrust that to us. And so help us to live into that, to find our hope in you, to find our acceptance in you and find through that experience real joy in this life and the next. Amen.